Welcome to Sharing Social, the monthly show that connects the people behind the hashtags with content, ideas, and insights. I'm Ian. And I'm Becca. Welcome to episode five. Starting out as an in-person meeting, we moved to online, and now it's our monthly podcast. We're coming to the last, the last episode of our first series. Each show, we've talked about all things social media, like personal branding, Facebook ads, influencer marketing, TikTok, social listening, the list goes on, but plenty of news, plenty of knowledge, and heaps of inspiration. So today, we're talking about driving awareness and engagement on social media with video ads. Becca, why are video ads such a great option? Well, I've got lots of stats for you for a change. We love stats. We love stats. So did you know that video ads in the LinkedIn feed, uh, which we're seeing more and more of, especially in the last year or so, actually earn 30% more comments per impression than non-video ads. Does that surprise you? Or... Yes, it does. That's a huge difference. 30% more comments mm -hmm. than non-video ads. So more than an image, more than just text, video yeah. attract more comments. Wow, that's huge. I think it's down to when you think about how creative you can be with a video, with your sort of like, especially in that first three seconds, hooking people in and maybe being a bit controversial, you can, I feel like there's more freedom to do that in a video with text or especially with an image. I think that's quite hard. Mm. Video is the way. Yeah, that, that is amazing. I'm thinking about my own viewing and scrolling habits when I'm going through either Twitter or predominantly LinkedIn, actually, it's where most of my time when it comes to a social media platform. And, uh, and yeah, when something is moving, because everything is autoplay now, when something is moving, you, you do give it some time. Uh, rather than just a, a very sort of static image. Now, whether or not I comment on, you know, Im uh, on video more than um, images or text is my own personal thing. I don't know, but I'm surprised. So I was a little bit surprised to hear that stat. I think that could come down to how you use social media as a whole. I think video again, it's there's more opportunity to have your say. There's more to talk about. Whereas mm -hmm. with an image, you can be like, oh yeah, I like that, and then in which case you would like it. But with a video, if there's something said that's particularly interesting or maybe something you've not heard before or disagree with, it's like, oh, yeah, be more inclined to talk about that in the comment section. Yeah, I agree. So another fun fact, 77% of marketers agree that video drives higher lead volumes. So this makes me think, I know that we've like talked about this a lot with clients and they're always struggling with, oh, video, are they worth it? And this stat makes me go like, yes, it's worth it. <laughs> Dedicate your time and budget to video ads. Um, I wonder, maybe we'll come on to this later in terms of how that may segment into the types of video. I'm sure a lot of questions that our listeners are going to have are, yes, but what types of videos, the cost different, uh, the costs uh, to produce different types of videos vary hugely. Um, but, but still sort of bringing that back up. 77%, uh, so we're just, just over three quarters of, of marketers agree that it brings in higher lead volume. So if you're running a lead generation campaign, mm -hmm. video sounds like it should be top of the list in terms of the type of content should be published on social. We'll be talking about it later, but the different types of video you can use all throughout the, the funnel, especially within a lead generation campaign, means there are so many different ways um, you can target people. And if you're not, if video isn't one of those options, you're going to miss out on so many potential leads. And, you know, it goes with the other con um, concepts that we're used to. So image ads, carousels, all the normal ones, but together, 
you're going to have a much more successful campaign. Right. So we've we've spoken about uh, we've spoken about comments, which is about engagements. We've spoken about leads, which is crucial to a marketing campaign and to feed the funnel. But it's going to be about bottom line, though, isn't it? How effective are they ultimately? Well, another fun fact: <laughs> <laughs> there are um, there's a stat here that says marketers that use video grow revenue by forty nine percent or forty nine percent faster than those who don't. So although sometimes you might think, okay, this is going to take more time to create those videos and it might be more cost heavy up front, actually by having that from the beginning, you're going to get um, results much, much quicker. Okay, so those involved in, in, in doing this kind of activity, uh, suggesting that uh, in terms of speed, in terms of attracting uh, you know, people to fulfill their call to action sooner, uh, video is is forty nine percent faster. Wow, these are these are really big statistics. Um, yeah. It's probably no surprise that so many people do use video, but equally more people could use video. Question: Maybe this isn't a bit of an opinion piece. Do you think video works because it stands out? Because many people don't use it. I think definitely that plays into it, especially on LinkedIn. It's only in the last year. 18 months or so that videos become um, more widely used and especially as an advertising option I think lots of people still don't even consider it because they assume it's not worthwhile or the fact that it does take a bit more preparation but when you think about how you use your social media platforms not just LinkedIn but other ones what where are you spending the most of your time it's probably watching a video because that is the type of content which is taking front and center stage at the moment across all the platforms. So if you're not using it, I think you're you're setting yourself up for such a difficult level of competition because an image ad, you can have the best image ad in the world, but it's just not going to be as effective. I'd love to explore more. I know that's not necessarily the route we're going to take with this podcast, but I'd love to explore more about the psychology behind why videos, why moving images work so much more effectively to attract and maintain attention i think that's what it initially starts with um because it, you know this is what we're talking about ultimately as well you know yeah people do have some concerns about the cost and the time and also not everyone wants to be on camera we're not just talking about headshots you know talking heads uh, as as that's the only type of video but equally we often are about people talking to camera and saying things and delivering content in that way and that kind of thing isn't for everyone um great good stats big stats so let's talk a bit more about the types of video that, that that work then if we start with brand stories so these you're going to typically find them at kind of the upper stage of the funnel so what we would call the c stage um and these are the intention is to keep it short and snappy with these types of ads and at this stage in the user journey you're not looking to get that click through you're just wanting to raise awareness get people to view the video. So the main metric here that we'll be focusing on is view through rate. And that's how many people are watching uh, your whole video all the way through. So as I say, it's important to keep it short and snappy, around 15 seconds, which sounds short, but actually if you compare it to um, video on other platforms, we're so used to that length anyway, on TikTok, on Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, like this is kind of the norm now. Um, and making sure your message is super clear because you don't want to kind of overload your audience with anything at this stage. You just want to make it like, here's the thing, here's who we are, 
that's all we want from you right now and we'll come back later with retargeting. Okay, so you, you, you've spoken about sort of the top of the funnel and the C stage or the, the awareness stage in terms of the entire customer journey. Uh, and for that, short, snappy, 15 seconds. Um, and you mentioned that the view through rate for that is around how much? Did you, did you mention that? So the average ranges between 57% and 85%. All right, so that's the kind of target that you should be aiming for. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, I think actually because of the length of the video, that plays into your favor of getting people to watch it. And then it's the whole thing of like, if people are watching it for longer, your ad's going to be recognized as a better ad and get shown to more people. So that's the top of the stage stuff. That's the awareness. That's when people may not know who you are yet or certainly know, don't know about that sort of core message. Um, keep it short, keep it snappy. Uh, just get that initial awareness piece done. And then we can move on to the, the think stage, so the middle of the funnel. So here you can start introducing things like product demos, thought leadership pieces, case studies. Uh, if there's any events in your industry that you've got footage from, you could include this. And all of these, like something in common that they have is people, human interaction. So people respond to people and what you're looking to kind of get from these ads is engagement. So again, you're still not trying to necessarily drive clicks through to your landing page, but by having um, people in your ads, like sounds really simple, but eye contact. So look directly at the camera. Um, that's going to help build that engagement and start building trust as well with your brand. So yeah, so in terms of engagement, actually the benchmark that you need to aim for is sound, it sounds quite low. It's only 1%. Okay. Um, but that's going to achievable though. It sounds exactly. And it is, it's achievable. And if you're kind of creative, I would say, don't limit yourself to one of those types. So don't just, just do product demo mix and match and see what's going to resonate more. And it gives you a, an opportunity as well to do testing and see, is there one that's going to resonate more with your, with your audience? Build that engagement. So you mentioned product demos, thought leadership pieces, uh, looking back and telling a client's story uh, could be all great ideas. You also said, you know, things like eye contact and looking at a camera sounds very focused on the, you know, the talking headpiece or, or at least filming uh, people. Do uh, mid-stage, you know, the think stage, the mid-funnel video pieces, um, can, can, can videos that don't have people work? You can, you definitely can. So um, something I would always mention as well is if you if you can't or you don't want to, then sort of motion graphic type videos mm -hmm. could be used to tell the story as well. Um, but it's just about building that kind of trust. And what you've got to remember is that your ads are going to be seen by people and you almost don't want it to look too corporate or too much like a brand because then people are more likely to be like, that's an ad, I'm just going to scroll past. Like they just kind of go on autopilot. When you have the opportunity to have somebody in there and it look a little bit more organic and yeah, it's like striking and it feels like they're talking to you, you're much more likely to get people to stop scrolling and actually view the video. Okay, interesting, interesting. Okay, so that's that's the think stage, the kind of evaluation stage video. Any ideas about the length of that, sort of optimal length of those kinds of videos? You want to keep it kind of around like a minute or less. So you can you can be a little bit longer than your 15 seconds. But again, it's not about you don't want to kind of overwhelm your audience too much. You just want to give them the highlights. But 
I would all, a quick tip is if you've got say um especially with the events footage that you might have whether that be um a virtual event or maybe now an in-person event as they're kind of coming back slowly is try different cuts around that sort of 45 seconds to a minute mark because you might be surprised at what you think oh that's definitely like the winning combination of shots might not be or it might be so test test different cuts of videos at that length um you mentioned about the you know the three stages in the customer journey we've, we've spoken about c which is about awareness and think which is about an evaluation what's what's the last one when you reach the do stage you kind of want to take your best performing product demos thought leadership pieces and case studies and you actually have the freedom here to make that a little bit longer so people know who you are they know what you stand for and you've kind of given them these snippets of whatever your kind of main message is so here um, you can aim for the two minute mark and this is where your main metric is going to be the click-through rate so the average these types of ads is 0.62 percent to 0.71 percent uh, so again it sounds very achievable and i would say if you can be creative here so for example in the b2b space unboxing videos are really underused but they're very very powerful and very effective so at this stage people kind of they've got your whole uh you know they know what you're about they know what you're trying to get them to, to buy so put them make them feel like they have bought it show them the experience that they can get by uh, clicking through to your website. Why are unboxing videos so popular? I mean, obviously we're talking about physical and tangible products that this mm -hmm. works for. Uh, well, what is it about unboxing videos that, that seem to be so successful? I think it's the curiosity. So when you see a box, you're like, what's in it? Or what, you know, what's what's the experience gonna be like? Um, especially if, if you've got multiple ones as well. It's like, okay, how is that product packaged? Is it nice packaging? Do they throw anything in for free? You know. What is it something you want to share? Because quite often as well, um, you can kind of get multiple pieces of content out of this. So you might have people filming unboxing videos or film on yourself to show people what to expect. And then this kind of starts a chain reaction where when your customers get that product, they want to film one too, because they found the experience like exciting and then showing off the end result as well. So this is what actually the product was and this is how I'm going to use it. So I think it just starts a chain reaction of all these opportunities to have user-generated content, which is so good. If you've got any of that footage and can use it in ads, that'll work really, really well, even in the B2B space. I wonder what a uh, an unboxing uh, equivalent could be for businesses that sell services rather mm. than products. Uh, off the cuff, I'm kind of thinking, you know, is this a kind of walk through the door type of thing where you... You know, what's the experience a customer or client would have if they were to walk through into your office or into your space, into your environment or the kind of meetings you might be involved in? It's about telling the story as a customer unboxing, isn't it? Yeah. You want to show kind of how their experience will be when they become a customer. So we've spoken a lot about the different stages, the C stage, think stage and do stage. Uh, upper, mid and lower part of the funnel. Is it possible to only uh, target and show, say, the think stage, the mid part of the funnel video to those we know have watched the first stage, that 15 second short and snappy? Yeah, definitely. So 
you can split it into two things. One, the people who have viewed viewed that video, um, and then you can still, even though our main metric isn't clicking through at that point, if they've visited your landing page from the ad, you can build an audience off of that and retarget it. And also across all platforms, what you can do is create audiences based on the view through time. So whether they've watched 25%, 50%, 75%. So you might be looking to create an audience, say 50% and above, because they're going to be the most engaged. I think that's really crucial. And that level of control means that we're, you know, in the ad campaign, you're only showing videos, the right kinds of videos to the right types of, of audience and to the, the based on the level of current engagement. Um, so worth doing, absolutely worth doing. Um, we've spoken uh, uh, wider on social media. I think you've got a few more stats on LinkedIn. Do you want to share those? I have. So just because LinkedIn, we've talked a lot about it, um, it's usually thought of as, you know, a really professional space. It can be, obviously is, but it doesn't mean that you can't be funny because um, a stat from LinkedIn says that 75% of LinkedIn members like to be entertained. So if you can make your video ads entertaining, that's only going to work in your favor. And also something to bear in mind for all video content, whether it's an ad or organic, um, is just think about the sound off experience. So 79% of videos are watched with the sound off. So you need to make sure that your message um, can be told without using dialogue or a voiceover. So that might mean having words within the video, always upload captions um, and making sure that, yeah, no matter how people are viewing your video, whether it's sound on or sound off, they're still going to be delivered that message that you want them to be. I'm definitely one of those people. Of course, I'm part of the majority, so it's more likely that I would be anyway, who watches video with the sound off. Um, I mean, maybe less so now that, you know, a lot of experiences have been in lockdown. So you're often in a more sort of solitary environment. But usually you could be at work, you could be commuting, um, mm. you know, and, and absolutely video, um, delivering captions, uh, which I think you, you, you've already written an article on, on the Base Creative website that talks about how to do that, um, is is definitely worthwhile. So great. And, and, and interesting about the 75% of LinkedIn members saying they're, they're happy to watch a, a funny uh, video or be entertained. Uh, maybe I feel sorry for the 25% who do not want to be entertained. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, oh, I wouldn't like to be them. It's not fun. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Becca, for all those really interesting video ad stats. Coming up next, we have an interview with Will Bonadio from Electric House. Will, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're a senior client partner at Electric House. Can you give us a little bit of a background into where you work, what your role entails and what your day-to-day -day looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So Electric House is a social media publishing group. Um, usually when I say that, people's eyes slightly glaze over. Um, some people say, oh, okay, you're working in uh, books now. No. Um, so basically, if you, uh, the listeners have um, heard of Lad Bible, Jungle Creations, yeah. or BuzzFeed, uh, we basically operate in a similar way. So Electric House creates and owns um, social media communities. Um, our biggest is called On The Tools. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with On The Tools, but... Um, I always encourage people, go on the Facebook page, check out if you know anybody who already likes it, and I guarantee you'll 
you'll know somebody who does. So we've got on the tools, which is absolutely massive, uh, reaching UK males. And then we've got uh, on a budget, which is our female-led community, which includes a private Facebook group called DIY on a budget, which has mm -hmm. uh, over 2 million members in there all talking about you know getting the best value out of kind of home improvement and then we've also got ministry of which is our gen z focused uh platform for, that's on tiktok and instagram and snapchat and that's all about taking the, the weird and wonderful world of um, science and trivia and turning it into much more like palatable funny um little videos that we um, we post um, across those channels. So we create these communities and we serve them on a daily basis. Uh, we've got a dedicated team creating content for our audiences. But uh, what my role is in the commercial team is uh, we speak to brands and agencies who are looking to speak to our communities. And then we work with them to create content that, you know, our, our mantra is that you know, create ads that are more like the programs people want to watch and less like the ads in between that they want to skip. So yeah, that, my role is, you know, I, I head up the London team, um, talking to brands and agencies directly uh, about how they can work with us to speak to our communities, basically. That's amazing. That's a lot. I feel like you've got a lot on your plate at the moment with all the different communities <laughs> yeah. and everything. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's cool. We've got a great team who, you know, like I say, we've got dedicated teams who focus just on building the communities, and then we've got dedicated teams just on working with brands so they can reach them. So yeah, it's uh, it's all good. We, we've had big growth in the last year as well. So yeah, we're just getting bigger. It's all good. Amazing. Well, if we dive into our topic for today, which is high performing ads, I love what you said as well about if this is the ads you you want to make the ads that people want to watch, not the ones that people want to skip. So. Yeah. First things first, which platforms, I guess it's going to depend on what community you're focusing on, but which platforms do you work with when creating ads? Sure. And I think um, not to be too uh, philosophical or throw it back to you, but like, what do we really mean? <laughs> what is an ad? You know, like, what is an ad? You know, and, I, and I say that now working for Electric House, but before Electric House, I was head of social at McDonald's for five years. And, you know, an ad was an ad. It was, here's a five second video that shows a close-up of a hamburger come in and buy it um but what we do with electric house is very much creating branded content that people you know really want to watch that isn't interrupting them um the kind of thing that you are actually going to tag your friend in and, and share on your own channels so for us you know we're across all of the, the platforms you name it we're there uh from youtube Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, you know, all of them. Yeah. Um, it, but if we're talking about promoting posts, I'd probably say more Facebook and Instagram, but it's not something we have to do massively because, um, you know, we've got we've got an engaged audience that wants to hear from us. Um, but yeah, in, in my previous life when I was working at McDonald's or agency side, kind of done it all, um, all the way back to, you know, when I was <laughs> in pre- 2010, I think it was about 2008, I was even doing advertising on MySpace and Bebo. So um, I think nice. that probably proves my age. But uh, from that to we're now running ads on TikTok. So yeah, anywhere and everywhere. So it's probably a, a decent week for me to be on the podcast to be able to talk about that. <laughs> I love that. So um, I was going to ask you about kind of your go-to ingredients for a high-performing ad. But on, on the back of that as well, are the ads you're producing a little bit longer because of like you want people to watch them yeah it depends and i think this is a theme that's going to come through and i and i guess this feeds into your point about you know what ingredients 
for a high-performing ad. It really depends on what you're trying to achieve. And I know that sounds like a bit of a cop-out or a fudge. Um, but, you know, if it's if you just want somebody to see a hamburger is available at McDonald's, as an example, a five-second ad is going to do it. Um, if you want somebody to get really excited about the culture behind the new spicy McNuggets, then a five-second ad probably won't. So you, know, you can... You can do anything, really. I mean, it depends what, what part of the process, what part of the funnel you're trying to get to. I'd say if you're trying to do like big awareness drivers um, and, you know, drive consideration, then yeah, it probably needs to be, um, it potentially could be longer. Um, if you're just trying to convert, just get to the point as quickly as possible. But it really depends. I mean, I think, and this is, this is in answer to your thing about um, what ingredients, I don't think there's kind of like a, a checklist of, always say this one line and you're going to yeah. always get great results. It's not going to work like that. But I think the thing that I would encourage anybody listening to this to just consider when they want to create a high performing ad, and let's be honest, anybody who's creating ads wants it to be high performing is really focused on what you're trying to achieve. So if you want to generate brand awareness, the success of that is going to look very different to if you want to generate sales. Definitely. In the same way that, you know, if you want to drive downloads of your app, that's going to look different to an ad which is trying to shift sentiment. So I would really encourage people to think about what you want to achieve and take it from there. And I've worked with various agencies, very expensive agencies who are, you know, experts at what they do. Um, literally, we've, you know, we, we were working on a, on a campaign which was all about downloading an app and the ad never said tap to download um, <laughs> it's like it tells an amazing story but if it's not clear what you want people to do they're not going to do it and it's mm -hmm. um it's quite a hard truth for some brands you know if you work in a brand you're like people absolutely love us um you still got to tell them what you want to do you know i've worked on campaigns where it's all about brand awareness and the campaign uh, the advert doesn't even show the logo uh it tells an amazing story but nobody has a clue who it's for <laughs> so yeah. I think just be really clear about what you want to achieve be clear about how you're going to measure that and whether it's a success or not um and take it from there um having said sorry I appreciate I'm just like now <laughs> going into some sort of like <laughs> monologue here just um uh, I'll, I promise I'm winding this up but um I guess for the people listening, they're like, okay, cool. I know what I want to achieve. Well, now what? I said I wasn't going to give you a tick list. I'll give you a bit of a tick list. One of the things I would really encourage is um, the biggest thing, my number one, is make sure that it is thumb-stopping um, yeah. and that it really grabs attention in the first three seconds. It doesn't matter what, whether it's a video, whether it's an image, whatever. The, the nature of social media and the news feed is that people are constantly scrolling. And we know that people scroll through over 90 meters of feed every day, oh. the equivalent of the Statue of Liberty. Um, that is the human behavior, okay? Mm -hmm. So I don't care what you post, people are constantly scrolling. And so you have to try and stand out in that busy news feed. And so you can say, well, my brand's great, people love us. If it doesn't stand out in those first couple of seconds, then people won't even know what they were scrolling past in the first place. So I think it's really important to bear that in mind. And, and something I always tell clients is like you're on social, your competitors are not who you uh, would normally 
say it is. So if we take McDonald's as an example, your competitors on social are not Burger King and KFC. Your competitors are the posts that appeared above you in the feed and the posts that appeared below you in the feed at any one time. You're constantly battling for that attention in the feed. And so it's really important that you stand out and that you you stop people in their in their scrolling tracks. Yes. Um, so so I think that's a really important thing because whether you want to get downloads or you know people to watch a minute and a half video, if you're not standing out, nothing's gonna happen. I think another really important thing is uh making sure that you're reaching the right audience. At McDonald's, we had very strict kind of, we must be hitting at least 60% of our target audience. Um, right. That's a very top line approach. I'm not going to give you all the, <laughs> all the details exactly <laughs> what we did. Um, they might come and get me. But, um, you know, if you're not reaching enough of the right audience, you're paying a lot of money and time and energy in creating these ads. There's no point if nobody's going to see it. So, you know, try and reach at least 60% of your audience, whatever that audience is. You know, it, it might just be... 18-year-olds in Manchester that listen to indie, or it might be anybody aged 16 plus with a mouth. But you know, make sure that you're reaching enough of the right people and be sure to design the ad for sound off. Um, yes. I think it's it's a real danger that we have in the, in the biz is that we are crafting these ads, usually looking at them in a meeting room, on a big screen, sound up, really paying attention to them when the reality is people are looking at it on their phone while listening to Spotify, probably walking down the street. Um, and I've seen it with my wife. Literally, I've seen an ad that I spent weeks working on and I'm looking over her shoulder and she's scrolling on her phone and then she scrolls past my ad. I'm like, oh, she's going to stop. And she just keeps going. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh. and I was like you, you, did, you not, did you not see my ad? And she was like, oh, I could tell I was going to be an ad. I didn't know what it was for, but I could tell it was going to be an ad. So just oh. going. And that's it. And that's what, we, that's what we were dealing with. And it's like, you know, I spent weeks on that in meeting rooms, but the reality is that's not how people consume it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'd really encourage you to always like test the ad on a mobile. Sometimes it looks a bit different compared to on TV, you know, like on a, on a big TV screen. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think the last thing is um, when you know what you're trying to achieve, make it really easy for people to be able to do that. So include a call to action if that's what you want people to do. Or if you want to be associated with convenience on the go, and that's your, you know, measure of success that we've, we've shifted that um, understanding of the product that it's it's a thing that you want to eat on the go. Show somebody eating it on the go <laughs> because <laughs> again, I've worked on campaigns where we, you know, the, the the questions are all set up in advance and we've got the perfect survey ready to go, but the ads don't match it. So really think about what you're trying to achieve and, and be laser focused on that. And then I promise I'm going to stop talking. Oh, <laughs> thank you, though. That was such good advice. Very, very in-depth. I think you raised a lot of good points there, especially about when we're talking about people's attention span and how savvy people are now to ads. I think there's a fine line between making something that is going to stop people and then also, oh, that's obviously an ad, even if it's relevant to me. Keep scrolling. You've got to get that sweet spot. Okay. You? And I think this is, I know, Becca, you're a big fan of TikTok, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it a bit more coming up. But TikTok have got this mantra for those of you listening who, who don't know about this. TikTok have got this mantra of, you know, don't make ads, make TikToks. Yeah. That's what they say. And it's absolutely bang on. And to be honest, every 
platforms should be saying something similar because like you say people are wise to you know you've got your friends sharing a nice photo of their like baby you've got another friend who's out for their bottomless brunch and then you've got a really heavily branded ad and you just spot it a mile off and so what tiktok is saying with you know don't make ads make tiktoks is design it as if it is made for the platform don't just take your tv ads and chop it up and then stick it on um, and I think really, if you're doing that across any platform, it's going to work a lot harder for you. I completely agree. I think um, there's a lot of talk now as well about, you know, making your ads, especially when we're talking about TikTok, make them look organic as well. You know, that their mantra, yeah. I love their mantra, don't make ads, make TikToks, because it's so true. It's like, yeah, if you want people to engage kind of get on their level you know don't be like oh we're an ad do this da, da, da. totally I, and i saw one the other day actually it was, i mean it wasn't very well targeted because it was for leggings um which i <laughs> don't wear but um you know it was a a young woman in her home um talking about you know her haul you know she that's it you know h-a-u-l <laughs> not the um <laughs> not the thing by the front door um and she was talking about these leggings and how great they were and then um you know tried showed them worn um and it was only half a third like bloody hell this is an ad <laughs> and yeah um, I don't, that's, that's perfect that's exactly what it should be because that is exactly the kind of content that is appearing in the for you uh feed anyway um and yeah, I think it's not about tricking people. I think that's a bit dishonest and people don't necessarily like that, but make it interesting and make it feel, uh, I don't want to say authentic. Um, I'm going to try and not say that <laughs> because it's such a buzzword in social media, but make it feel organic and natural to the platform um, because that's what people want. You know, it's it's social media. Um, don't just broadcast these polished messages, you know, try and invite engagement and and be like what people are watching on there anyway. That's why they're there in the first place. Definitely. I think it, it always helps as well. In in the case of that example with the leggings, you're sort of showing your potential customers that this could be you. This could be you with this leggings. You know, you want to show your totally. customers what they can have rather than just flashing like a fancy product in front of them being like buy me buy me it's like no don't sell that sell the end result you know um we yeah a lot and, and i think a lot of this as well like so i was just gonna say like you can read books from the 50s about you know selling people kind of get turned off when you talk about like the technology behind it like it doesn't mean anything to people show me what it means to me in my real life and social is the perfect place to do that because you've got you know influencers or i, I believe she was um I don't think she was an influence. I think she was more like an actress in inverted commas. Um, but this comes back to age-old selling techniques, you know, sell the sizzle, not the sausage. Um, so <laughs> so that's um, why social can work so well. But it's, it's incredible how many brands, big and small, get that wrong. So we have talked a lot about how successful ads can work. But have you ever had um, an ad that's not performing the way that you expected? And what do you do? Oh, yes. How do you troubleshoot ads which are performing less than intended? Right. <laughs> um, I think there's a few things you can do to hopefully start that happening, um, you know, kind of in the lead up rather than uh, after the fact. So Facebook now allows you to do A-B testing. Mm. So what I mean by that is you can have two versions of an ad. Um, and I think that is uh, really valuable. And actually, if you look at our friends at Jungle Creations, uh, what they do, I would encourage anyone to do this. Go to any Facebook page of a brand 
um, and go to the page transparency button. And you might have to look for it. It is there on desktop and on mobile. So it's called page transparency. Click on it. And then there's a button that says add library. Um, and if you click on that, you can see any and all ads that that page is running across Facebook and Instagram. And if you look at what Jungle do, and others do it as well, um, you might even see an electric house page do it, is if they are running a campaign, you will notice there's about five different versions of the same ad running. And so the reason they do that is they have different status copies go with the ad, and then they will have a different edit of the video, if it's a video. Um, usually the first like one to five seconds will be slightly different. Um, and what they do is they put five pounds or thereabouts behind each post and they will see which is working best, um, yeah. which is getting the best click through or view through, whatever that, you know, whatever the metric is. And then once they've done that, and it only costs five pounds to check on each one, once they see which one works best, they then publish the winner because they know then that they've done a little bit of a test and this is the one that's going to work best. So, you know, something like that should hopefully stop um, an ad not performing the way you expected. Um, I think uh, it's really useful as well to have multiple ads, even if you're going live, um, don't just do one. Even if you've tested a few, um, you want to try and do as many formats um, and versions as, as you can afford or as you're comfortable doing. And so we at Electric House did a campaign with the government. Um, and it was interesting, actually, one audience worked really well in the news feeds, but didn't work so well when it came to the stories feeds that was a different audience. And so if we'd only gone, right, this audience is working really well, just put all the money into that, it yeah. actually would have been to the detriment of the campaign. So, and sometimes it's literally a static image might be the best performing. Um, so just being able to have a few different options, um, then you can just put the money towards the best performing. So I'd always recommend you do that as well. I love that. I, th I know I've been in a few um, accounts and been quite worried actually when you see there's just one ad for everyone seemingly and that's all the budget like mm. dedicated to it it's like how did you get here is this have you tested yeah. anything and they've never tested any variation at all or any different audiences that always makes me that's like the stuff of nightmares for me <laughs> and i'm sure for yeah. you too totally i just it's um it's just not using the platforms to their full extent you know you can literally set it up and tick a box that says you know optimize towards the best audience so i think why wouldn't you be doing that instead of yeah just kind of a spray and pray approach yeah completely well have we um have you got any kind of creative best practices for ads i know you were talking about and i really like this actually the different edit for like the first five seconds or so on a video are there any other things that you would recommend when you're looking for different creative variations yeah, so, I mean, I apologies, I covered quite a lot of these in that big monologue I did. Um, but one thing I'd also recommend listeners kind of remember is this isn't TV, um, and particularly with bigger agencies who are, you know, they've got long history of TV advertising, beautiful TV ads, and they go, well, we know how to tell great stories. And they do, but it's very different on social. You kind of have to flip it. So on a TV ad you are leading up to the big reveal at the end and yeah. social doesn't work like that because as we discussed you know that first few seconds has to be as um attention grabbing and thumb stopping as possible and so what you've got to kind of do on 
on socialists, flip it around, kind of a big reveal in the first few seconds, if you can, because people are less likely to watch all the way through, unless, of course, they work with electric accounts because we create great content that they love watching. Um, <laughs> but what I would say, and I'm, I'm joking on that, um, but what I would say is, you know, kind of make it constantly rewarding throughout. So yeah. instead of leading up to this big reward at the end, keep it rewarding throughout and that's going to help people uh stay on for longer and that's something that we we try and do um we talked about designing for sound off um when i was at mcdonald's we literally did a stories ad which was all about downloading an app um, and we did a test so it was on instagram stories the same ad um one had sound effects one didn't and we're not talking about you know expensive um big label music we are literally talking about as text popped up it just went yeah literally just little sound effects and the one which had those sound effects actually got a lower cost per download than the one that was silent so on stories 60 percent or thereabouts people have it with sound on so that can make a real difference but as facebook themselves say and it's a bit cheesy, but bear with me. Uh, designed for sound off, delight with sound on. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. that is a, <laughs> is a really good point. Um, and then uh, the other one would be again, this is a bit of a, a sound bite. Uh, apologies, I'm full of them today. Um, in terms of length, what you talked about, what I always say is you know, make the video as long as it needs to be, but as short as it can be. Um, you know. It drives me mad when um, people go, so how long is the ad going to be? 60 seconds, 90 seconds? It's like, that is TV planning, talking. You know, yeah. I don't care if it's 58 seconds. I don't care if it's five seconds. Like, if, it, if you can get all the key messages in that time, that's how long it needs to be. Please don't work to, it's got to be 15 seconds because that's the maximum that it can be on stories. Make it as short as it can be. Um, as long as it needs to be and, and you'll be fine. That's very true. I think there's almost a misunderstanding there, isn't it? Um, with people thinking, oh, well, the maximum length is a minute, so I have to fill up that entire totally. time. And it's not the case. You can, as you say, I think the shorter, the better often. Plus for things like if you've got a good performing, let's say 10 second ad and people are watching that all the way through, that's only going to tell, let's say, you know, TikTok, yep, yeah, this is a good ad and exactly people. Totally. And you, it's almost a way we used to do it back in the day. It's almost a way of cheating the system. We did one ad that was literally three seconds. And I'll tell you what, the, you know, the view through rate was off the scale. And as a result, it got seen by a hell of a lot more people. Um, I don't, I mean, that's like slightly gaming it. Um, to be honest, in that three seconds, we said everything we needed to say. But um, yeah, I've, I've been given ads which get the message across in those three seconds, but then they, uh, they kind of stay on the last frame for an additional like five and it's like why are you doing that you just don't need to do it and and as a result nobody's going to watch it to the end which is bad for the algorithm and bad for us as a result so yeah totally agree have you got any um like favorite ads or campaigns that you worked on over the years that you uh would like to share and what the impact um was from them oh where to begin um (laughs) i think (laughs) i think um with McDonald's, we did. I think something. That, I think the listeners will, will benefit from this. This isn't just me kind of um, tooting my own horn. I think um, we did an ad, right? So we we'd done some research into the audience on social, and there was a a trend or you know a behaviour going around that people love to dip their French fries in their milkshake. Oh, um, I remember very, this phase. <laughs> right. 
are you a are you a dipper? I I can't say I am. No. Um. <laughs> no, me neither. Um, but this is the thing; it's a very polarizing topic, and you know, it, even just explaining it to people, it gets a reaction. And so, we'd seen this kind of pocket of our audience talking about it, and we were like, "Well, this is exactly the kind of thing we need to create a post about." This is what social is is for. You know, these particularly with our strategy. Then it was you know little reminders of why you love McDonald's and and that or the weird mate you've got that does it um or you know no no hate for anyone listening he loves to do it that that drives conversation so we spoke to the agency that we were working with and we said look we want to create a post like this and it was the classic thing of you know okay we're going to do a, a video and we're going to show this beautiful font popping up that says you know which flavor do you like to dip it in and then we'll show like the first milkshake come across the screen then the next one and it's like you know this very complicated ad um very beautifully made showing the products looking at its absolute best um and we said you know what it doesn't need to be this complicated expensive or mm-hmm. kind of long-winded like literally just give us a picture of a milkshake and a fry going into it. And I know this sounds like so obvious, but, you know, McDonald's and, and other brands as well, they always want their food to look, or, you know, whatever product is, it has to look its absolute best. And you see this with, you know, burgers on pieces of marble or slate or, you know, the, the barbecue sauce served in a little glass uh, ramekin that doesn't exist in a real restaurant um and we were like just literally just give me a picture of that it can be shot on a mobile which again you know nowadays is like well obviously but you know this is a few years ago um that was just mad uh for a big brand to be shooting stuff on mobile like you just didn't do it but we did do it and the results were absolutely incredible you know we reached um over a hundred percent of our audience organically um, whereas now, you know, the, the average reach, organic organic reach on Facebook is about 1%. Um, we did over 100%. Um, and it got picked up by Lad Bible, The Sun, The Mail Online. It got picked up by Cosmo Magazine. It got picked up by Wired. Uh, Wired. It even got picked up by the New Zealand Herald. Um, everyone talking about this little post that we'd done. Um, and for me, that was like a really ter- a big turning point because it made people in the company sit up and go blow up, look at the power of social. Um, and also it, it was good for me to be like, look, this is why it doesn't need to be this big, long, complicated video. Literally, this was shot on a mobile and look at the results that you can get. So I think that was a real turning point there and it changed the way that we approach social. And, it's, and it is best practice. And so... Um, that then had an impact on everything that we did on social and and it helped us win a few awards as well we didn't just win an award for that post but those sorts of posts yeah uh, we got industry recognition for as well so that was great um so that's a very that's a very special one in my heart but um from an electric house perspective we did a video once which was all about um safety on site and you know as, as a construction worker safety on site it goes down in electric house history it was done for direct line for business and we showed kind of um it was shot as if it was on mobile and we showed um, some people pretending to do the Grand National on site with uh, one of the builders falling into a puddle up to his shoulders. Um, and I mean, I'm not really doing it justice to explain it, but the guy who fell in is our co-founder. Um, and this video, I mean, it was made four years ago. And every time it's the Grand National, you see it doing the rounds again. Um, <laughs> got massive press coverage, and it did, you know, tens of millions of views for, you know, a in inverted commas boring product like, um, you know, business insurance. But it's just done in a really fun, interesting, shareable way. 
um, and did absolutely amazing results. So yeah, we we're always a big fan of that one, and it's kind of led to a lot more work in in the same vein. Um, so we owe a lot to that post. I love that you bring up how things shot on mobile can actually sometimes often be the most effective as well. I think definitely in the last 12 months where we've all had to adapt from working from home, mm. there's finally, it feels like been a bit of a shift with brands realizing that, oh yeah, okay, social ads don't have to be polished like to perfection every single time. It can be shot on mobile and actually that can often work better. Um, and I totally. think you know, it ties into what we've said, right? About you want it to be almost relatable to your audience. It doesn't need to be Absolutely. sort of shiny, like TV ad style, because it's not TV, it's on your phone. Exactly. It turns people off. And you look at, you know, the best in class social that we all mentioned, you know, like an innocent smoothies, etc. It's very much real. Um, you know, they they show the bottles and then they'll show like a hand coming in, holding a sign, pointing yeah. at the drink saying, you know, it's blue. And it's that kind of cute, very homemade lo-fi. You can still make, don't get me wrong, the food can still look presentable, beautiful. On those shoots at McDonald's, we still had a food stylist doing their thing. But um, yeah, it's just kind of like, let's not go for the perfection of TV and mm-hmm. press and out of home. Um, yeah, just keep it a bit more real. And uh, yeah, it it works it really does next i would like to ask you and i am particularly interested in this because i love my apps but do you have any (laughs) apps or tools that you use when you're putting together a campaign or scaling up a successful ad um an ad set or any design tools anything basically i'm intrigued to pick your brain about what you use yeah so we have an amazing team at electric house um who We'll probably be able to reel off a whole list of apps, etc. that they use. I don't get too involved in that. You know, I trust them and know that they're great at what they do, so I kind of let them do that. Um, but what I would say is, um, you know, in terms of like a campaign toolbox, um, you've got to understand your audience. Um, and there's, you know, on Facebook and and the I think Facebook is probably the best with its. Um, understanding of your audiences but you can do it across all the different platforms um just seeing what they like what they're talking about the pages that they like the most where they're based what age they are really understand the audience um and that will really help you know we we do it with our communities we we will do a poll and we use it in in our pitches as well you know we we very quickly in a group of two million people or any size, you know, please don't be put off me saying that. Like, anybody can do this. Like, literally do it. A, a poll sticker in an Instagram story will give you some insights. And we will use that as a pitch. You know, we, we ask the audience, do they know your product? 99% said no. This is the perfect opportunity for you to raise your awareness. Or we ask the audience what they think of your product. The big thing that came through is that it's too expensive. So let's create a video that talks about how it's not. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, it's very quick and easy these days with all these different stickers and different formats that you can use to poll people so um i would really try and understand your audience as best you can and then you can make your ads accordingly sometimes it's not about what you want to tell the audience it's about what they want to hear um and so really plan around audience first um yeah i I think that's probably my biggest one to be honest i can tell you about other things but that's it if you take one away it's that no that's good that's good Completely agree. I'm excited actually for TikTok, especially and their audience targeting. I'm waiting for it to get a little bit better. 
because I'm yes, like, it's not quite as sophisticated. I was listening to a not. podcast about this yesterday. Apparently, you can you can target slime enthusiasts. Yes, you can. Um, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's one of the more detailed ones. But um, I haven't seen it myself. But apparently, travel is then a little bit broader, um, which kind of blows my mind. Yeah, there's a couple of niche topics on there at the moment when I was setting up a campaign the other day I saw the slime one and I was like really I've got this but not actually what I'm looking for <laughs> um, <laughs> but I imagine as you know as the platform develops that has the potential to know so much about us and how we're scrolling and the length of time people are spending on TikTok now so I'm quite excited totally about that. I feel like I mean they TikTok got big during lockdown really and so I think they've had to slightly rush their ad platform I think the formats are great I think they've clearly looked at what Twitter um, and Facebook and YouTube offer and come up with their equivalents which I think are really good and I love their branded hashtag um, activity and what that does and the creativity behind it but yeah in terms of that ad platform it's basically they're building a rocket ship while it's in orbit and so I think yeah we need to kind of wait for them to catch up a bit but um, yeah it's it's good enough for now but it's only going to get better which I agree is very exciting particularly in this um, and I don't want to talk about this too much but um, you know with the update of iOS 14 Mm -hmm. and the move away from cookies um, that kind of first party information which the platforms will have um, is going to be very valuable um, and we're seeing that as well as a publisher, you know, our community, that is first party data for us. So suddenly data that anybody could access now only we can. Um, so it's a very interesting space uh, to be in. Um, and I think TikTok will, um, will probably be working around that. And maybe that's the reason why they're slightly delayed as well. You know, remarketing is going to be harder. But um, like I said, we could, we could do a whole podcast just on iOS 14, <laughs> so let's not, let's not go too deep into that. But I think um, they're actually in quite a good place because instead of having to adapt, oh, well, this is how it used to work, and now we've got to change everything for iOS 14 and, and its equivalents on Android, uh, they can basically be like, okay, what is the lay of the land and how do we build around that? So I think probably now that all of that's come into effect, uh, you might even see TikToks um, targeting, et cetera, really start to improve very quickly now yeah i think that leads us nicely into our next question as well actually when we're talking about the biggest challenges you can face when running ads Mm. particularly with the targeting are there any other ones that come to mind um when you're when you've been setting up ad campaigns i think the biggest thing and i'm sure anybody listening to this will agree um it's just proving that social works Mm. you know (laughs) like (laughs) we love it because we work in the industry but I think there's still a bit of a challenge around you know, what what would the tangible business benefits to running that ad? Likes don't pay the bills, you know. Oh, I got a thousand likes and five hundred comments. So what? Like, what's that doing for my business? Is kind of the question that any advertiser should be asking. So I think proving that it is paying back on the business is is a big challenge. Um, and, you know, we talk about this internally at Electric House, you know, we can get you a million views. Some clients literally say, that's all I want. Um, but then what? what? What's that doing? And so I, I think it's quite dangerous that there are other publishers out there who, or agencies or, or clients themselves that um, are quite ignorant to this. Um, yeah. They, they think that likes is a good metric. I think it's a terrible metric. Um, and 
you know, I, I do awards judging and they're like, we got, you know, a thousand likes. I'm like, why? Like, that doesn't prove anything. In fact, there's been research that actually shows there's no correlation between clicking on an ad, liking it, commenting on it. There's no correlation between those activities and then actually buying a product or remembering that you even saw the ad. And, and we know that older um, users, um, literally there's research that shows this, older users are just more likely to click on an ad. And so there's a there's a case study of an athleisure wear company mm-hmm. where, you know, 60-year-olds plus clicked on it the most. Um, but actually, when they did some research afterwards and said, do you remember seeing an ad for this athleisure wear brand? Uh, the 60-plus-year-olds didn't. And then the 20-year-olds who didn't click on it actually did remember seeing it. So I think it's very dangerous to just go on those kind of vanity metrics. But there's more and more things in place to be able to measure success in the fact that we do as well. So we can do those surveys that we talked about, you know, very light you know, just a quick question, or we can do full-on pre and post campaign research. And so those sorts of things really help if you're trying to change sentiment or understanding or awareness. Um, but then also just more tracking like app downloads or cost per acquisition, yeah. et cetera. You can do all of that on social. Um, so I think I would really encourage anybody listening to be considering that at all times. Um, because yeah, just uh, an engagement rate of 0.75%, big, big success it's meaningless and um i think it's quite dangerous if you think that's um that's a measure of a good ad completely completely well thank you so much we've covered so much um so much depth as well for ad campaigns i have a couple more quick fire questions i'm just going to throw at you um to finish off so i'd like to ask everyone this do you remember your first tweet so i knew you were going to ask this (laughs) so uh, I didn't, but I went online yesterday to check it out. Very, very boring. It was quite a um, quite an eye-opening experience. It was like reading an old diary. Um, <laughs> so um, I'd recommend anybody look through their old tweets. Uh, so a lot of it was Foursquare check-ins. Uh, but actually the first one, it was, uh, Will is debating between pizza or burrito for lunch. Um, which to be honest I still am Um, so yes riveting stuff that's definitely worth a follow I love that I think that was at the time where Twitter in the box it had that like phrase didn't it so all tweets started as if you were about to do something which encouraged lots of tweets Facebook definitely did it you you actually couldn't even get rid of the is no Um, so it was will is blank Um, so yeah um I can't remember if Twitter did that, but uh, that's what I wrote. Maybe I just liked speaking in the third person. Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, and have you got any notable social media stories to share? Have you ever gone viral for anything? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the ones that we talked about, um, the direct line and the, and the fries and nuggets, I guess, um, you know, sometimes, please don't get me wrong, you know, we hear people on podcasts and conferences talking about how great everything is. I've gone viral for wrong reasons as well i'm not going to go into more detail than that it's um you know expensive brand campaigns not at electric house i I must um clarify but uh throughout my career there's been two um that definitely stick in my mind where um you know we had to remove them um because it was despite our best intentions um and this is the problem again you know you've got the best intentions you talk about it to a lot of people in a meeting room but then when it hits the feed um depending on what the current climate is what the current conversation is whatever things outside of your control 
um, an ad just isn't perceived in the way that you'd intended and an action needs to be taken. So please, anybody listening, if, if it happens to you, I think it happens to the best of us. Um, so please don't get too down about it and don't, don't let it don't dwell on it, just learn from it. Um, but I think uh, one that we did, we did an April Fool's post which made it to the top five. This is at McDonald's, actually. Uh, top five most talked about brands um, via April Fool's, which was great. And then it was covered on like the radio. And you know, we, for us, a big measure of success at McDonald's for some of the activity we did was, did it go viral? That was literally, I mean, obviously there was more things than that, but that was one of the things that we kind of wanted to tick off. Yeah. Uh, and we were trying to do at least one of those a month. Um, so yeah, um, we've, we've had a few of those, which I'm really proud of. And um, one that we really liked was it was taking this black and white um, box. So lots of like lines, almost like a barcode. And then we had text hidden behind it. And we we saw it on Reddit and we loved the idea. So we um, we created something similar that if you held it at a certain angle, you could read it said, bring McNuggets. Um, <laughs> and we did that and it did absolutely massive numbers. Um, I think... Uh, ASOS actually um, did something similar. They kind of copied the idea, or maybe it was Kiss FM. Um, so for, for a really like cool brand like that to copy us was a really good, um, you know, that was, gave us a warm feeling. Um, <laughs> so what I'd always recommend is just like keep an eye on what's trending and keep an eye on what's happening, particularly now with TikTok and seeing how you can jump on it because um, sometimes just being the first to do something will get you loads more eyeballs and, and pays off just to be plugged in wherever you can well thank you for all the advice that you've given today very very thorough my pleasure sorry i um I, there was a lot no <laughs> so it's I all hope good you were still listening. <laughs> i'm sure anyone who's listening to this podcast is going to go away and dive straight into their ads manager whatever platform they're using and start having good. a play around with their you know targeting the length of video everything Great. um I know I will be. Thank you so much for coming on the episode today. Finally, where can we find you and Electric House on social media? Yeah, sure. So for all your pizza and burrito uh, chats, uh, follow me. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't recommend Twitter. Um, LinkedIn, basically across all socials, uh, you know, it's .com forward slash W Bonadio, uh, W-B-O-N-A-D-D-I-O. So that's me. Um, on LinkedIn, I'd, you know, please, please feel free to give me an ad. Um, and you know, if you want to give me a DM and talk to me about anything um, social media related, please feel free. So yeah, that's me. And then um, Electric House, you know, check out, like I said, on the tools. Be sure to uh, check out the page on Facebook and see if you know anybody who who likes it. It is a construction-based page, but I guarantee you'll know somebody who uh, likes it and they don't work in construction. So, um, yeah, hopefully you'll be seeing some of our campaigns on there soon if you're not liking the page already. Perfect. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Brilliant. Thank you, Becca, for that interview with Will. Uh, now you've got some social media news for this month. What's happened between the last podcast and today? So first of all, Instagram have launched a new caption sticker for stories, which is a feature that people have been asking for for ages. We've already mentioned how many people are consuming social media with the sound off. So this is great to make the process super simple. The captions are automatically generated from audio input and it's perfect because you're then sorted for sound on or sound off scenarios. TikTok have launched new lead generation ads. 
So now when you're in your ads manager, you can create custom forms, which will be automatically populated as part of the lead generation experience. And this is a great opportunity for brands who have struggled to get their audience to leave the app which we've definitely experienced before. It's TikTok is so addictive. Um, so now you'll be able to convert your audience more easily than ever. And finally, YouTube are continuing with the rollout of new shorts. So this is um, a short video, basically very similar to TikTok and Instagram Reels content. They have um, increased the maximum duration from 15 seconds to 60 seconds. And actually, fun stat, shorts are now up to 6.5 billion daily views, up from 3.5 billion at the end of 2020. So this momentum has inspired more focus on the function of the app. And I think we're going to be seeing much more, many more creators creating this short form content directly on YouTube from now on. Brilliant. Thanks, Becca, for that news roundup. Okay, so this segment now is about where I've uh, selected three fun stats, stats that Becca doesn't know anything about. She has no idea what I'm going to talk about, uh, which plays an interesting game of whether or not, you know, what, what Becca's opinion on on these stats are going to be. All of our stats today actually come from Statista.com, uh, which is a great tool if you want to know lots about pretty much anything in data format. Our first statistic is about social video advertising click-through rate. Becca, you mentioned about, you know, the bottom of the funnel and people taking action. In terms of segments, though, and in particular age ranges, Facebook, one of those age ranges, Facebook attracts a 3.4% click-through rate. What age range do you think attracts that kind of click-through rate on Facebook? I think uh, 45 plus. <laughs> so that the, the sort of... 10 year age gap there, so sort of 45 to 54, you'd say. Yeah, um, or, or yeah, or 55 to 60. Uh, yeah, okay, my original answer, I'm going with that. So you, you've gone sort of, uh, what? Why, why that range? Why that age? So you said Facebook. Yep. So I'm thinking about who still uses Facebook. <laughs> um, and I think maybe the older you get, it's hard, I don't, I just think the types of ads at those kinds of age groups might be quite good, actually. <laughs> might be quite relevant and, and be enticing for people to click on. You're absolutely right. In fact, as, as we look through the age groups and as we get older, click-through rate goes up. Uh, a little bit of an anomaly with 25 to 34 year olds, which is higher than, the, than 35 to 44. But uh, the biggest is the 65 plus. 3.4% is 65 plus. So if you if you're targeting those um you know using Facebook then you're you're on to a winner certainly when it comes to click through rate. Uh, Instagram and YouTube video ads are on those both those channels perform uh, uh relatively quite poorly to Facebook. In fact, YouTube uh doesn't uh, Facebook is well above YouTube in terms of click through rates for ads. Um, and Instagram only really starts to have some effect. Again, same sort of age range uh, and correlation. The older you get, more likely is you're going to click through on a video ad on social. Hmm, interesting. I wonder why that is. I mean, how how savvy are social media users? The older we get, do we get less savvy as to what's an ad and what's not an ad? Maybe. So you're suggesting that those are, are, are older know it's an ad or, or, or 
don't know if it's an ad. Maybe don't know it's an ad. <laughs> so they've been tricked. They've been, they've been tricked. tricked into clicking. Uh, maybe they've just got more time. Maybe the younger you are, the smaller and lower your attention span. Yeah, maybe. how about that for a controversial comment? <laughs> <laughs> so that's stat number one. Stat number two. Talking more generally now about social media channels. Uh, consumers prefer or don't mind hearing from brands. So in terms of, you know, if you're a brand... And you want to post out what's uh, what's happening with you, or, or, or post out um, not even paid advertising, but any kind of uh, messaging. Um, which channel do you think uh, people prefer hearing from from one of their, their favorite brands on? Instagram. Instagram. Hmm, interesting. Um, not actually in this statistic. <laughs> Maybe they just neglected to talk about Instagram at all. Um, so you'll have to have another guess. Have another guess. Um, Facebook. Correct. Maybe no surprise, right? Yeah. Um, Facebook is top, absolutely. The share of respondents overall sort of hits about the 50% mark. Um, so that that's that's maybe unsurprising. Uh, and, then in, and then in sort of descending order, YouTube to Twitter to WhatsApp to Snapchat to Pinterest to LinkedIn and then Tumblr surprised that uh, instagram isn't on this list maybe it's included within facebook maybe confusingly so if that is the case <laughs> i think we'd like that separated out okay and our third stat talking a bit more generally about social media advertising spend in the uk so that's the total spend across all organizations and businesses who've spent uh, on social media advertising uh, let's look back firstly about 10 years ago so, Becca, what do you think was the total advertising spend uh, in the UK in 2011? 50 million. 50 million. Uh, nope, it's a little bit more than that. <laughs> I say a little bit more. It's just shy of 270 million. So 270 million pounds was spent on social media advertising in 2011. Let's fast forward to just a couple of years ago, 2019. Mm. What do you think the total social media advertising spent was in the UK for 2019? I think, um, let's say, three billion. Whoa, very, very good guess. Uh, it's certainly over um, 10 times. I think quick maths would suggest maybe even 15 times as much. 3.59 billion. So... Great guesswork there. And certainly in terms of like seeing the exponential growth in terms of spend. Um, so, yeah, 15 times as much. And I wonder what uh, I wonder what 2020 is going to be when that stat finally comes out. Um, so especially spent most of that time in lockdown. So there it is. You have your three fun stats. Each episode, we like to give a shout out to one of our sharing social community members and share with you how you can support them. Today, we are featuring Ella Orr from Much More Social. You may have heard Ella on some of our Clubhouse sessions. She is a social media marketer, teaching strategy and personal branding, helping you to shine amongst the competition. You can find Ella on Instagram and Twitter at Much More Social. Thank you very much for that shout out, Becca. All right, let's recap on what we've spoken about in this month's podcast. Our focus has been on video ads, how they can perform really well to get massive engagement, drive leads, and ultimately increase sales. And we've also learned that only 25% of people on LinkedIn want to be entertained. If you want to get involved or be on the show, 
go to sharingsocial.co.uk. Big thanks to Will Bonadio from Electric House and his interview with Becca on high-performing ads on social media. That wraps up the first series of Sharing Social. We're going to take a month off, but we'll be back in July with Series 2, where a few things might feel a bit different. You can follow us on social on Twitter at ShareSocialLDN or on Instagram at SharingSocialLondon. We look forward to seeing you then. Bye.